Thanks for listening to the Revival Today podcast with evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth. To stay connected, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, or online at revivaltoday.com. Now, here's evangelist Jonathan. Oh yeah, not to dwell on this, but Tucker Carlson leaving Fox News yesterday, this was a tweet thread that I found interesting. Tucker Carlson's prior $1.6 million a month contract has as much as 18 months remaining. Fox CEO Lachlan Murdoch, I don't know if I got that right, and Carlson were in the middle of negotiating an extension through 2029 when the Murdochs decided to bench him instead. They don't want Tucker going anywhere, and they're going to force him to sit on the bench for months as they recover from his departure. So what that means is they'll keep paying him $1.6 million a month, but as the terms of the contract, he can't leave and go anywhere, which sidelines him through the 2024 presidential election. Oh, that Continue. is awful. Tucker Carlson's contract was signed in February 2021, running through February 2024 wow, or 25. how crooked. The desk is reporting 2024. As Bogus. A, well, wait, if it runs through 2024. February 2024. Yeah, then he's, he's good, right? Or 25. Yeah, but it, the, the desk is reporting 2024. So the election's October 2024, so it'd be good. As a result, Tucker will be benched. There, there it says, throughout much of the presidential election, and speculation is that this was done very much on purpose. Tucker had a non-disparagement clause, so he won't be able to say very much. Hopefully, Tucker has an out, as this would be very bad for the GOP. Continue. It's not bad for the GOP. They don't want Trump. Both Tucker Carlson and Don Lemon have hired Brian Friedman to represent them against their networks. He represented Megyn Kelly, and given that Fox agreed to pay his full contract, he may be working to ensure Tucker is free to start something new. So, the encouragement I get from this, because as you know, I think a little, a little differently. Um, if steps are being made by, by people in power to sideline somebody like Tucker Carlson and make sure he can't speak, if I see that the Democrats are nervous about the election, mm-hmm. it, that shows that it's not in the bag like a lot of... Uh, uh, conservatives who just think everything's all over and everything's rigged and there's no point in even trying. Um, that's not true. Or there'd be where I'd be worried is if no steps were being taken, you can say whatever you want. We have it in the bag. We already have something locked down. So, but if, if steps still have to be made to make sure the other party doesn't, doesn't win, then it's not a done deal, is it? So that's good. Um, I wanted to run something else by you. Is the Instagram downloaded or not downloaded? Um, this was a, a thought I had marketing wise, but I didn't want to, I didn't want to tick people off like Bud Light did. So I wanted to run it by you guys and you can tell me what you think in the comments. Go ahead. Hey guys, Jonathan here. I wanted to run something by you before I pulled the trigger on it. I saw that guy Dylan Mulvaney and when I saw him, I probably had the same thought that most of you have which is, uh, this guy's talented. And also, I would say equal with that, I connect with this guy. I feel like we've had similar life experiences. Uh. So I was thinking about, because obviously this guy generates a lot of buzz, whatever he does, having him market our 
upcoming uh, meetings and stuff, but I didn't want to do it if it was going to tick people off like it did the people that drink Bud Light. But most of you don't drink Bud Light. You know, you're Christians, so... Just wanted to make sure you were cool with us going the Dylan Mulvaney marketing route. And uh, I'm happy to hear your honest, honest comments. Let me know. Dallas-Fort Worth Revival. That's tomorrow. Me and Adonis. April 26th, 7 p.m. Milton, Fort Worth. Hope to see you there. It's free, but you need to register. RevivalToday.com and uh, you click events. So anyway, I'm open. I want, I want to hear what you think. I don't want you guys to get upset like Bud Light's people did, but that guy does a good job. I think we all can agree. Uh, nope. I, I think don't we can universally agree, agree on I that. I don't. Nope. I think every one of us can agree. No, that. we're not going to agree to that. Nope. I Everyone think. shaking their head? No. <laughs> the exact all right. When I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Talent. I'll admit it. Um, I'm going to have my dad pull this thing out of the gutter with a nice anointed song, and then we're going to get into the teaching of the word. <laughs> glad, glad that you're on tonight. <laughs> Ten Lessons from Tiff and Judy Shuttlesworth on how to raise children with a passion for God in the last days. Part two. Take it away, Evangelist Tiff Shuttlesworth. I'm not home. An ego trip. I know I'm nothing on my own I make mistakes and often slip I'm just common flesh and bone But I'll prove one day just what I say of a special kind for when he was on the cross I was on his mind
Gracie, prayer for children, grandchildren, needs transformation in learning and behavior. Son needs another one. Son needs delivered. Mary Ellen in Arizona, prayer for daughters. Carrie in Capaco, Texas, healing for daughter with degenerative bone disease. Uh, undisclosed name in Nigeria, brother salvation. Uh, for children to come back to the Lord, prayer for family. Heidi in Trinidad and Tobago, prayer for children and grandchildren. Prayer that grandson would return to God. Lisa in Kentucky, prayer that kids would return to God. John, that family would be saved and that God would bring him a wife. Lucy, that sons, daughters, and granddaughters would come to the Lord. For friend to be baptized in the Holy Ghost, the daughter would be delivered uh, from sin. Casey in California, healing from diabetes and for thyroid, painful lumps on neck and shoulder. Elsa in Hobbs, New Mexico, healing for eyes and financial breakthrough. Bobby, kids dabbling in witchcraft, husband raised in church, all have turned away from God. Salvation and healing for children and son-in-law, healing for sister who got... Uh, the you-know-what, salvation for kid's boyfriend. Maggie in Toronto, sons on drugs, living on the street. Another person, salvation for kids. Trinity in Fort Lauderdale, salvation for friend. Tori in Dallas, Texas, cousin in hospital, bleeding on the brain. That he'd come out and fulfill his call, family salvation. Another person, prayer for grandkids. Kathy, salvation for adult children, healing for self. Susan, for husband to catch on fire. Hopefully she means metaphorically. And it wasn't just an outburst of anger on the phone. I'd like to burn him to the ground. Amy in Richland, Iowa. No more hindrances and move to Pittsburgh. Holy Ghost power for her kids. I hate that guy. Kathy in Martinsville. Salvation for husband and family. Catherine in Massachusetts. Salvation for kids. Suzanne in Meridian, Idaho. Salvation for son. Christine in Texas. Salvation for son. Michelle in Palm Beach. In Palm City Beach. Salvation for daughter and direction. Ida in Toronto. Freedom. Good health. And finances. You see the number for prayer, 412-787-2578. We're focusing these two sessions, this is session two, on children and the great frustration people have, which is their children being away from the Lord, whether they found Christ late and didn't raise their children in church because they weren't in church, and now it pains them to see them going their own way, or they did raise their children in church. Some people were ministers and good ministers. And, and raised their children in church, did everything they knew to do, and their kids away from the Lord. And um, it, it pains them. I remember Mike Murdoch telling, he tells the story, and he uses the name, so, and it was a long time ago, how his sister started playing in, night, in a nightclub like a mile down the road from the, from the church that his dad pastored. And he talked about the toll that it took on his father, that his father used to preach happy sermons and was happy in the pulpit, and then he noticed it just started to get to him, where on Sunday he'd say, I don't know how anybody could grow up in church and be playing a piano in some bar, you know? It's the devil's way, Mike Murdoch called it body blows, that instead of one big tragedy, it's just like a gnawing thing to wear you down. And I've, uh, I know we've come across quite a few people in our short time on this earth that have, that have had that, where it, it just, you know, it bothers them heavily. Mm. Let me ask you this. What, what have you, what has changed in how you feel or think about things from the time before you had Camila to now that she's 10, 10 years down the road, how do you feel differently about parenting or what have you discovered that you didn't know before she was born? Um, I think now more than ever, especially this last year, um, when it comes to the book of Joel and it says, 
in the last days, your young men will prophesy. Your young men will, or, or um, what is it? Your young, your sons will prophesy. Your daughters will what? Your sons and daughters will prophesy. That's your old men will dream dreams. Your young men. That's will what I was looking for. Um, and you know how Brother Ted was here a couple nights ago, and he said that that is the scripture. That's the agenda for the last days. Uh, for God to move on the earth. And so it's no wonder that that is the greatest tactic that the enemy has in store is to attack the children, to attack, um, you know, babies. And, and I like, I don't think that people understand how cruel the enemy really is. I don't, I don't think they understand how vicious he is. I think they think like, oh, I know he's evil, but with the children, no one wants to harm children. Even the baddest guys will stay away from women and children sometimes. Um, but that's not at all the case. And in these last 10 years, I've seen, uh, you know, with clarity how that is a targeted audience. It's the number one targeted audience, in fact, because I've seen in my 38 years of life what it is to have a generation be engaged and fed this lie to and how quickly everything can change. You know, like if you see the the progression of what we were given in high school to what it is now. It was the little blows. It's the little foxes that spoiled the vine. It's the little tiny lies that everybody accepted as, uh, you know, the general consensus for stop bullying. No one wants to bully. Participa- participation trophy. You know what I mean? So it's like all of these things that just ended up being the rot for you know, an entire generation. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So um, I, I see it 10 years in. It's, I take it a lot more seriously. And that's that. You, you want to you know, um, when you brought that up about how it started a while back, I don't know if anyone else will find this interesting or funny, but it's funny to me because I went through puberty between eight, late, between eighth grade and ninth grade. So I didn't think anything about sex or... That wasn't even on my mind. Then plus in eighth grade, I had gone K through seven in Christian school. Then we moved to Maine and I went to public school. So I I was like oblivious to everything. So the teacher said, we have a theme for eighth grade and everybody has to do an art project for it. And the theme was celebrate diversity. That was for all public schools. So now I know what they meant and what they were trying to introduce them. But then it must have just hit my spirit wrong. They rejected mine. Because I just drew, drew all kinds of different people beating the crap out of each other with like different weapons, like nunchucks, ball and chain, a bow staff, size, all different, like, like a lady with a mustache. I, I, drew, I drew like as diverse, but everyone was beating each other. <laughs> and they gave it back to me with an F on it. Like, you, you can't submit this. This doesn't count. Or, you know please take this seriously. So uh, it's funny, funny. you know, and you know that my reaction is always to mock stuff. Yeah. Like, like, you know, I, I react differently than other Christians, even like with a Dylan Mulvaney thing. I can't believe that, you know, to me, I like just having, just mock. I feel like mocking is, is, is the, the worst thing you can do to somebody. And I have, I've also noticed in preaching, the devil has no clue what to do with mocking because when you think about it, mocking is an authority thing. Mm. It's like Elijah. He mocked the prophets of Baal. 
You don't mock something you're actually nervous about. Right. You mock things that you know you have authority over. That's true. It's like if a four-year-old tells you, I'm going to beat you up. It's like, right. whatever. Mm-hmm. And, but then if, if a 35-year-old uh, head of a gang tells you he's going to beat you up, th- th- then it, you want to like mock because you're nervous it's actually going to happen. So I, I feel like Christians, e- even like, I was thinking on the way here, which I'm, I'm getting off topic a little bit, but I, I feel like because Christians don't in general have that in them, they do all the devil's marketing for them. Did you hear about this new movie? I was listening to two guys that, that made a movie together talk about how hard it is to get your movie marketed and why nobody will pick up movies because you think about it now. Like they were saying, if me and you make a movie and we have a million people on our podcast and they project that 100,000 people out of our million people that listen will buy our movie for $10. That's a million dollars. That's not enough. Mm-hmm. No one's going to want to make a movie from a group of people. So you need, like, like that's what the Dylan Mulvaney thing, you need something that breaks out of your little bubble where everyone hears about it. And it's like, can you believe what they're doing? And Christians provide that marketing for every obscure, you know, evil thing that, that Christians don't even really realize they're being used you know, they come out with some wicked thing. Every Christian does the marketing for it. Yeah, Why true. do you think they do some kind of satanic thing at, at, at the Grammys or whatever? I didn't watch the Grammys. Me either. But and thanks I to, could, but I, thanks I, to that all, song was stuck th- in my head. But thanks to all my Christian friends, true. I watched the whole Grammys yeah. the next day on Twitter. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, even the... Um, Super Bowl. The satanic convention they're having. They're having like a satanic convention in Boston, like an international oh, yeah. satanic convention. Yeah. Um, But, you know, you can feel the presence of Satan just as easily hunting out in the woods. You don't have to be in some stuffy satanic convention, in my opinion. But who did all the marketing? Why do I know that that's going on in Boston? Because Christians, by and large, are morons. Jesus said it a much nicer way. The children of this world are oftentimes wiser than the children of light. That's how he said it. And then he talked to them about being wise as serpents, harmless as doves, because they don't get it. Mm. You know, can you believe they're doing this? Here's the, here's the trailer and the link to the yeah, movie. You're like, right. you're, you're an right. idiot. You're right. You're a total idiot. You're right. So um, anyway, I brought that, way, that, that stems off that whole diversity talk and how they've been trying to introduce that to children. Mm. So you realize that now, that, that, that they are going after children. How do you feel... Is there anything, like, you found out you're pregnant with Camila, mm-hmm. you had in your mind what you were going to do mm-hmm. as a mother, what have you added to that, or what did you think you were going to do that you didn't do? Or have you just done everything 100% exactly as you set out from the beginning? I've done everything I've set out from the beginning, except if I was to 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 uh, do it all over again, I'd emphasize the word all the more. I'm glad you didn't say I would have got it done with a supportive husband. No, um... You'd emphasize the word more. I would emphasize the more. As someone who has emphasized the word. As somebody who's emphasized it even. And and she knows the word. Two things. Why do you say that? You would emphasize the word more. Why? And two, how would you have emphasized it more? Because you've emphasized it quite a bit. I know. Ever since she was a baby, and I remember you walking in, I was reading that Daisy Osborne uh, Woman Without Limits books to her. She was months old. But I was reading it to her so she, her spirit woman would get it. You know, her, her spirit needs to get it. And so I would continue to I do rem- that. I remember you reading yeah. that there. When she was how old? Like two, right? No, months old. She was a baby. I remember she was like very little. 
She and was I remember little. you reading it, and you weren't reading it in like a cute voice. I know. It was like someone preaching. Well, I was, I was getting ministered to. That's why I'm like, there's always moments. You know, th- this is an encouragement for all you mothers out there that you feel like you can't be spiritual or you're losing that element because you're so busy inundated with the kids. Make time. Read them stories that count. Forget Dr. Seuss. You know, I, I was... Uh, reading to her Daisy Osborne, T.L. Osborne books. And that's why when I, when he walked in, I was like choked up and I felt the anointing because I'm reading it to her, but I too am getting ministered to, um, by it. So there's always, there's always time for that. And I feel like if I was to go back, one thing I would change is my mindset on what I'm doing. You know, my, the, the mindset always has to be, You've got these eternal beings. God has given you these little eternal beings. And you have to look at that look at them like that. You know, they're not just, you know, uh they're just like kids and it's this age and they're terrible twos and everybody sets you up for failure in the world. You know, you're really going to have like a tough time traveling with Camila and you're really going to have a tough time when, you know, having her get acclimated with people in her age group because she's always around older people because of traveling. It was always something. And so if, if I was to go back, I would really coach myself uh, a little bit more different um, and really hone in on that aspect that she is with you for a very short amount of time. And I, I you know, again, I wouldn't do anything different, but I would emphasize the, the word more. I would emphasize spiritual things all the more. I would doubly, I would double down on it, you know, because there's just not enough of it out there. Um, and she goes to a Christian school, but you can see, you could see that they're not, you know, they're not like honing it in like you would, you would, or I would. And so keeping that. No, because the, the truth is at a Christian school, sadly in America, if they focus too much on the word, parents would get upset. I'm not sending my child here to hear Bible stories. I'm sending them here to get a good education. Yeah. Right? For sure. So that I'm sure their hands are tied. Um, okay. So you, we, we said 10 lessons. Now we're going to do 10 tonight because I'm going to do the five I left out. Plus I had Adonis do five. So I'm, I'm going to have you start off with your five, and I, I'm interested to hear. What, what lessons? Now, obviously, you can't do lessons from Tiff and Judy Shuttlesworth, but no. in hearing parents, these will just be like 10 lessons for parents. Mine will be ones I observe from my parents. Yours will be ones that you've come up with on your own. And in, in meeting with parents where they have the same confusion, I don't understand why my child... It, it, it is not living right or things aren't going right and, and you've noticed the same things. So let's, let's hear your five. Um, my five, let me, let me pull some scripture out here for you. Or did I not take it? Um, the very first one is found in Proverbs thirteen twenty four, and it says, he who withholds the rod of discipline hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him and trains him diligently and appropriately with wisdom and love. Um, I think the whole reason for moral decay in our world right now is a rebellious spirit. And a rebellious spirit can always be curved with the rod of uh, discipline. And so I've seen it firsthand, especially in America, where you, it's, it's okay, it was acceptable 
Because, you know, as, as in my generation, their parents or our parents were beat to smithereens and no one really like walked them out in love. It was like, everybody has to work and then they'd come home and the, the, the house is chaotic. And so, you know, on a, you know, they're just lashing out and they'll just beat your behind and no love, no word. And so then my generation has come up under the fact that like, oh, we don't discipline because that that wasn't really good. That wasn't really, you know, that really scarred us. That's a good point you're making. The pe- parents think they have to choose between being abusive or not corrective at all. And and I've seen firsthand what that does because it, even in my own in my when I was a teenager, it was normal to tell your mother to go f off. It was normal to call her a, the b word. You know what I mean? Not at my house. But over there in these other uh, uh, people's homes, that was okay to do. And so then you you see the disrespect and the tolerance <laughs> that these imagine, people. I can't imagine. I'm telling you, if I did, if I told my parents, if I told my dad now to f off, he would, he would, he would. <laughs> I would, I would get hurt. I know that. I would hurt you. I remember. I'm trying to think what I did to my mother one time. Oh yeah, I told her I needed new hockey pads. Shoulder pads. I had these garbage hockey pads. They were super thin and cheap. And I hit. She she put them on. And I was like, "Can't you feel this?" And I I like slapped the pad that she had on. And my dad was in the other room and came in and grabbed me by the shirt and put me up against the wall and told me, "Don't ever do that to your mother again." And I was, I was like, "Okay." I wasn't like mad or anything. Like like for any reason. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Teddy has a story. He I can't remember what he said to his mother. His dad finished reading whatever he was reading at the, uh, at the newspaper, then calmly put it down and also put him up against the wall and talked to him the whole time with him up off his feet off the wall. And Teddy said he like trickled pee out his leg <laughs> at 16 or, or 26, one of the two. But I, uh, go ahead. I don't, I don't want to steal your thunder. Go ahead on that point. Um, so, you know, when it comes to like this rebellious streak where people have lost their morality. They don't even know what gender they are. They, they, they want to experience all this kind of stuff. It's because there's no guardrail there, you know, and the guardrail starts at home for you telling them, wait a minute, you're out of line. How do you know that? Well, because I told you to, to not do that and you did it. So if, if I told you not to do it and you did it and there's no like, uh, repercussions for that, then you are beginning to raise a degenerate, reprobate uh, group of, of people. Because when you think about it, everything comes down to rebellion and obedience. In, a, in the a whole reprobate, Bible. And a reprobate spirit is, is the, the, the lack of judgment. You know, there is no, and that's where we're at right now in this world. There's no judgment. I can do whatever I want and there's not going to be, uh, you know, a, a judgment for that. You can't, you can't criticize me. You can't harm me. I'll do whatever I want to do because it makes me feel good. All of that started somewhere in the home. It did. Because if you, if you understand discipline and you do it correctly, then there's safeguards, you know? Obviously, and this is why I read it in the Amplified, it says, who, he who withholds the rod of discipline hates his son. Like, hates him. It's not that you don't like him. It's you hate him. You are setting him up for failure. You are setting her up for failure because you quite literally hate her. 
And it says, but he who loves him disciplines and trains him. So it's a discipline and training that happen like simultaneously. And then it doesn't stop there. It says diligently and appropriately. And the appropriate way of doing it is with wisdom and love. And that's why we have the Holy Spirit who leads us and guides us into all truth. If you're disciplining out of anger, Holy Spirit will tell you and say, don't do that again. That's not going to benefit you. But when you do it the right way, you will always benefit. I'm not a, 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 a gentle parenting person. I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, that is never my thing because it's in, weird. Because to look at you, you'd think you would be, but I know. I guess we know. But really, but this, there's a new trend happening with gentle parenting, and it's like we just wait till little Zach <laughs> oh just sits God. there and just dukes it out in the in the in you know. We say, Zach, how are you feeling right now, Zach? What's going on, Zach? How you feeling? Ah! <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool, Zach. So, h- hail to the no. Okay, I'm going to say that. Hell's the place constantly tonight. Hail to the no, absolutely not. Why? Because sin brings forth death. There is <laughs> a tangible... I raised six kids and only screwed up a couple of them. That's like 66%. Yeah, that's a good take on it. Yeah, 100%. Positive spin. Um... But you have to understand that when you are handing out the pow-pows, as I like to say, when you hand out the pow-pows, you're saying disobedience comes with a cost, comes with a penalty. And this is a penalty. And most of the time, it's going to hurt. If you have sex outside of marriage and continue to do so, your body is going to uh, uh, feel it. Your body's going to feel it. You're going to have STDs. You're going to have depression. You're going to have anxiety. And so you start that at a very young age, knowing anything you do, whether it's, it's, um, you know, because I know a lot of times you would just get pow pows with with Tiff and Judy uh, just for getting in trouble. So it wasn't even about who's right. And I think that that's another attitude we have to kind of adjust. It's like, well, well, let's hear the teacher's thought here because I know my Johnny's perfect. It's like, no, why did you get in trouble? Why were you being mischievous? Why were you talking when she was talking? One time my, my dad, my dad paddled me and I told him what the teacher did and how it was unfair. And I'm, you know, I didn't do what she said. My dad said, I believe everything you're saying. You're not in trouble because I believe her. You're in trouble for getting in trouble. (laughs) And that kind of like put something to me like, okay. Yeah. I, there's no my side of it. Like, stay out of trouble. Yeah, because everybody, you you could feel to take over a room. You could feel to say something and, and, and you know, disagree with the person. But what's the point? Like, you know, like if it's going to get you in trouble, why say anything? I'll just keep quiet and move on with my life. This is not worth getting into. You know what I mean? And you think how parents not doing that, like even to go, not to take it to an extreme, but kids get killed. People get killed by police officers because their parents didn't teach them how to respect authority. 100%. That's and told exactly them, you know, right. And told them it's, it's perfectly acceptable to friggin' flip out on somebody that's in authority. I mean, yeah, there's some, that guy that got pulled out of a car and beaten by five people, that was a random <laughs> assault. But oh, you rarely see one of those police shooting videos that doesn't start with the person refusing to obey the instructions of the police officer and flailing their arms around and open the, the door to, to, to come at them, 100%. and it costs them their life. Yes. Yeah. 
So, uh, but there is a way, and I think like with this um, mentality that you have to just pick one or the other, uh, you know, because g- gentle parenting is an abuse, and then anything in the discipline realm is abuse. Like, no, there's the Bible is is stands true to to be true above any anything else out there, and I'm following the Bible, and the Bible says I can do it correctly because I do it with wisdom and love. And one of the key aspects of discipline is instilling and training your children. And that is a deliberate thing. It's not, I'm going to give you pow pow sometimes for doing this because I'm in, I'm, I'm in that kind of a mood and I'm edgy and I didn't get enough sleep or something to eat. And then all the other times I'll just let it go. Cause I think it's kind of funny. Principally, you have to, you have to be a principal person. What does the word of God say? Anything done out of rebellion, you're going to get a whooping. That's it. Point period blank. If I'm in the mood, if I thought it was funny or not, I've, I've actually, Camila, when she was younger, would do some funny, funny things, but they were inappropriate. So I'd have to take her into the bathroom and say, I'm sorry. There were times where I wasn't even in the mood to give her. I was so tired that I'm like, I don't even want to get here right now. But I did it because I'm driven principally by the word of God. And if I continue to allow it, she's going to get confused. And I think a lot of times, you, you know, we, 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 we skip, we skip a step. Oh, well, Johnny did this X, Y, Z three times, but he only got powed for it once. Well, you have to be diligent. You have to be consistent. And with it, there was never a time I gave Camila Pau. And mind you, I stopped giving Camila Pau's at four years old. Like she understood after that. Don't mess with Ma. If Ma says something, that's it. Four years of age, I didn't have to do it again. Haven't done it since. She's 10 now. And so the, the, the point I'm trying to make is you, those are key elements. And Jonathan, as my witness, it didn't matter where we were at. If we were at a restaurant, you go and get a pow pow. I'll go into the car, okay? If it was illegal in the state to give pow pows, I'd drive over the state lines to give you a pow pow. I'm going to let you know this right now. Uh, if you misbehaved in public, you were going to get it. You were absolutely going to get it. And so uh, all of those things, we we called them attitude adjustments because she would start off like, you know, with that nasty attitude and wouldn't listen, wouldn't sit still at the dinner table. I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to tolerate that. So now we're going to go to the bathroom. And every time she'd come back, what would happen, Jonathan? She'd cry. Okay, so obviously you don't remember. She would come back happy. She would cry when I would give her pow pow. Oh, she cried but taking after, it. And then, yeah, she'd come back. You think you just took her to Disney World? 100%. She'd come back beaming because it was she like would, over. Yeah, but she was so happy. And I'm telling you, nine times out of 10, she would come back and she'd have a big giant smile on her face. It was weird. It was weird, but it was because it was done right. Because I would tell her, you can't do this because the word of God says. And I would say, I would go to the word of God. You cannot do this. You have to obey mama and papa. The word says to do so. So you're in direct disobedience to the word of God. Those are all opportunities to train your child in the way that they should go. And so don't forsake that. This is interesting. Let, let me read what my, you know, my mom put a whole section in the book on, on paddling, right? In her book. Yeah. But let me read it and you, you, let me get your thoughts on it. I've, discipline and punishment must go hand in hand. A child needs both to, to thrive. Proverbs thirteen twenty four is a key verse for this. If you refuse to discipline your son, it proves you don't love him. For if you love him, you'll be prompt to punish him. 
The same verse in the New American Standard Bible reads, now people think the Bible says, spare the rod, spoil the child, but it never says that. Uh, he who withholds his, the rod of correction hateth his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently. Punishment, okay, so then skipping down. Spanking has become a taboo thing in the last two decades. Many parents have switched completely to only using a timeout form of correction. Some are afraid of having the state take away their children. Many think it is cruel to paddle their kids. Some parents will take away a certain toy or screen time privileges to punish their child. This can be effective at certain times, but the child knows they will get those things back if they're patient. If you send your child to their room, the child might enjoy being there. Many scriptures say to use the rod to punish our children. So my mom wrote this. When you paddle your child, it should be reserved for what I call the three D's. Willful disobedience, defiance, and disrespect. Never spank your child just for being a kid. Yes, sometimes they are annoying in their silliness, and sometimes it, it depends on what frame of mind that mom or dad is in at the moment. At times, it's best to just walk out of the room if you're on edge or not in the mood to enjoy your child at the moment. Never strike your son and daughter because you're edgy or irritated. Always spank your child in private, never in front of others. Dad, I'm 42. <laughs> Did it in the middle of the whole cracker barrel. Uh, never, the point is not, <laughs> let's check you funny. Never, the point is not to embarrass or humiliate them, but to correct their behavior for their benefit. Always spank on the bottom. Yes. There is special padding there by design. That's right. It, it's always all right to smack a Let child's... me stop you right there and say, I can't stand when they hit on the, when like moms and dads hit on the hand. There's veins that could do major damage or the face. To me, oh, the face. that is that's absolutely, abuse. yeah. And again, that, that's, what, that's why I'm going over this since you brought it up. I was going to leave it out because I don't know how YouTube feels about it. I don't know what you're allowed to say anymore. Soon YouTube will just Who be cares? to post funny cat videos. Seriously. But uh, people think, when, when you say spanking, people, and, and, and especially depending on what kind of home you grew up in, where you say, oh yeah, my mom spanked me, but she didn't. You know, taking out off a shoe or a belt and just start whacking away at your kid when you've had enough, that's not discipline. Mm -hmm. That's you. You're a lunatic. <laughs> and, and, and I think that I think I think that's why a lot of parents of our generation stopped, quote, spanking because they think spanking is just beating the, the, the crap out of your yeah, kid. That's yeah. abuse. Yes. <laughs> I can say, first of all, there would probably be no child that got spanked more than me. Right. So when you hear psychologists say it crushes, I know it's hard, hard to believe. Uh, imagine if I wasn't paddled. Dear this God. is me disciplined. Help us. Um, Thank you, Tiff and Judy. Beca because they, they teach in child psychology that if you, if you spank your child, it'll like shatter their personality and make them a, a shell of themselves. So um, I'm proof that that at least doesn't always happen. But I can tell you my mom, my mom never disciplined me in anger. My dad never disciplined me in anger, and I remember one or two times where I made him very upset, so he waited a day mm, to spank You know, me. that was a good spanking if he had to wait a day. Yep. Whoop. Yeah, he, he'd wait till he was, like, settled down. And oh, he, though he, it must have been the worst day of your life, though. No one I was, was hoping, coming. I was hoping Christ would return. <laughs> I was like, Jesus, <laughs> I'm not telling you how to do your job, but tonight would be a great night to return. Even so, Lord, come quickly. Um, uh, and then he'd, he'd read me a scripture verse of what I did wrong. Do you understand why I have to do this and why it's wrong? Yeah, I, I understand. It was never, I promise you, you know, I, nobody wanted to get paddled less than me. I hated it. 
And your dad fashioned a paddle. Oh, that, that was the worst day. When I get the feeling like this, this whole program is just going to be on paddling. Maybe we'll, just, maybe we'll go back into parenting and family next week. Because there, there's enough. I've got cover. a lot. So yeah. if you can. I mean, we're not, we're not, we're not, we're not going to finish it in, in the final hour. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. The day my dad made a paddle, um, I got in trouble in fifth grade. I got in trouble a lot in fifth grade. Anytime I had a teacher who didn't have sons, I got in trouble a lot. And anytime I got in tr- anytime I had a teacher who had sons, I didn't get in trouble that much. Mm-hmm. So this enormous childless woman that taught at my Christian school that hated hated my guts. Um, she, she, I can't remember what I got in trouble for, and she told my dad, "What are you laughing at? Your descriptions are funny." She. Uh, she was a jerk. I'm telling you that now as a 42-year-old man. I'm not saying because she didn't like me. She was, a, she was a, like a repressed jerk. So anyway, my dad talked to me about whatever I got in trouble for. And um, then there was no paddling. And I was like, man, this is great. I, you know, I was like, man, I, it was the biggest emotional swing I've ever had. <laughs> like, like, I'm telling you. If you had $100,000 and it was everything you owned and you had it in a duffel bag and the duffel bag flew out the airplane window and you lost everything you had, then the wind swept it back in mm-hmm. and you were happy and then swept it back out again. It was like that. Yeah, I get it's it. Because I'm, I'm like, oh, shoot, I'm going to get disciplined. Then my dad does reads me the whole riot act calmly. Why what I did was wrong and all that. Do you understand? Yes. And he went, all right, you can go. So I was like, all right, awesome. This is, this is going to be the first time I've never been paddled. So I'm, I still remember I was watching television, and then my dad, I hear, like, sawing and drilling. But my dad always would make his own fly fishing equipment and stuff. So I'm like, yeah, whatever. And then he holds up this paddle and blows the sawdust off it and looks at both sides and goes, all right, let's go upstairs. And I was like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I, thought, I thought we were good. And he said, no, you're getting older and my... You're, you're starting to hurt. It's starting to hurt my hand when I paddle you. So I made this paddle. So I guess my bony ASS was like <laughs> causing him hand problems. <laughs> oh, gosh. That is so awesome. So he, he, he made the paddle, and uh, I think he still has it. But I hope he does. Yeah, that was. But anyway, my dad, it was never. Uh, we brought it up because my, it was never in anger. Mm hmm. My dad never just started swinging. My dad never shoved me. Mm-hmm. My dad never cursed. Ever. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing was ever done out of anger. And, and I think that's what a lot of people haven't seen. They've either, and they think you have to choose between no discipline or abuse. Right. And there's a way to Christianly discipline your child. And I think you would know that you're not doing it right because you don't enjoy your children. That is a telltale sign that you aren't doing it right is if your kids wipe you out and you can't go anywhere with them and they just stress you out, it's because you're not doing your due diligence and lining them up in the way that they should go. Yeah, and, They should and, be a blessing. And I you. think a lot of times people wait till their kids have completely like stressed them out and yeah, just flip out. Exactly. Whereas I can tell you, my, my mom and dad didn't, it was like a, a, a slow and steady ship. Mm. Like I can tell I got paddled sometimes and they weren't even like mad at me. Yeah. 
Exactly. It was like, this has to be done. You're out of line. I heard what you, your coach told me what you did. Let's go. You know, so it was never like yelling, screaming, hysterics. Right. Ever. Exactly. Exactly. Now, my mom, my mom a few times went into yelling, screaming, hysterics, but it was never coupled with paddling. Right. Uh, willful. Listen to what my mom says. Willful disobedience. Never spank your child for just making a childish mistake. For instance, your child knows they're supposed to never leave their bike in the rain. They were told to always put it away. Your seven-year-old child forgets to put their bike away and a huge storm descends. This isn't willful disobedience. This is just child, childish forgetfulness. Willful disobedience is, for example, when you give your child a direct order to do their homework before playing on their iPad or watching television, and when you check on them after half an hour, they're playing a game on their device instead. This is willful. It wasn't a mistake. The first time we ever spanked our oldest child, Jonathan, he was 22 years old. No, he, he wasn't even two years old. You might say that's too young. Well, you can only spank a child when they know they're doing something wrong, when they are deliberately disobeying. We were in church, and my husband was preaching. I remember this. I was sitting in the back of the church, and the whole pew was empty. I didn't want to disturb anyone. I told Jonathan he could go to the length of the pew, but not one step into the aisle. So you get that? We have the whole pew to ourselves in the back because there's no nursery. So my, it's just me and my mom in the back pew while my dad's preaching. And my mom says, you have the whole length of this pew, but don't take a step into the aisle. Do you understand? I shook my head, yes. He went to each end of the pew. Then at one point, he stepped into the aisle, leaving one finger on the edge of the pew. I remember this clearly. He looked at me with a huge smile as if to say, what are you going to do about this? And then I moved my finger. My husband saw from the pulpit. He told the congregation to hold on one minute. He came to the back. I still remember I was like a quarterback that got blindsided by like the left tackle end. Because I, I, I still had eye contact with my mom thinking like I owned you. What are you going to do now? Whoom! I got, got like swept to the bathroom. He came to the back, took Jonathan into a back room, gave him a couple of swats on the bottom, and handed him back to me. Jonathan had red, puffy, tear-filled eyes. Still do a lot of nights, to be honest with you, for other reasons. As a Dawes can tell you. She usually sleeps on the couch because the gentle whimpering <laughs> keeps her awake at night. <laughs> Jonathan, why are you whimpering? Nothing. Nothing. Uh, red, puffy eyes. Where are we? He was sorry. He never tried that again. No, he did not. I got paddled like 2,000 times, all for different reasons. That's how stupid I am. <laughs> never the same thing twice. I learned my lesson, then messed up in other areas. He never tried that again. It takes effort and consistency. It's so much easier to let things go, but, as a, but a good parent acts on it each time. Defiance, which is open resistance. Listen to this paragraph. Look at the kind of a jerky thing for my mother to write. Jessica did not need to be spanked anywhere near as much as her brother. That's the full sentence. <laughs> but who's on television now, Mom? I'm sure if you, <laughs> our son, <laughs> our son just needed a little more reining in than our daughter. <laughs> that, that, that was a, 
delicate way to put it. I remember this. This is the only paddle my sister ever got. Jessica loved candy as a little girl. She still does, right? And I don't. She would save it in a shoebox under her bed. She always was like an ungenerous hoarder. She would play with it and make games out of it. One day, she was lining up her Smarties by color on the dining room table. <laughs> That's her personality. Yeah, borderline mental problem. Purple, 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 yellow, 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 red. I remember, I remember this clearly. One day, she was lining up her Smarties by color on the dining room table. Tiff walked by and took one and ate it. She, she flipped. She was like three. She like went at my dad like at three. What are you doing? Like like hey, even I even I that got spanked. I was like hey, you're going down a dark road here. Leave the spankings to me. <laughs> she did. You thought she was like another man, like like gonna get him to give it back. Like you give it back. Tiff walked by and took one and ate it. She stood up with her hands on her hips and said, hey, give me that back. That's mine. Yeah, and like went at him, like with like fire in her eyes. I remember my dad, it was the first time I ever saw him like off guard, getting like reamed out by a three-year-old. Tiff scooped her up, took her to, to her room, and punished her. You may think that sounds mean. Maybe 11 cigarettes put out on her skin? It, no. Maybe he should have asked for a piece of that candy instead of just taking it. That may be true, but it does not allow for a child to speak to her father. And that, oh, My mom kind of took up for Jessica. Maybe he should have asked first. <laughs> Maybe he doesn't have a right to one of her Smarties from her shoebox full of candy. Maybe he should have let her shut her own pancreas down with an inordinate amount of Smarties. Oh, gosh. I think Tiff only had to spank Jessica twice in her whole childhood. I don't know if there was another time. There was another time. If this wasn't corrected, it could have led to behavior problems in the future. Like what? <laughs> She's pretty perfect. Somebody samples like a, a piece of food off of her plate on a date. She takes a steak and pins his hand <laughs> to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> what problems could it have led to later? <laughs> don't touch that kid's candy. That, that, don't touch... You know that... The, you know Jessica Diswaldi, the pastor's wife? Let me just tell you this. Don't touch her candy. She killed the guy. Do you know Mike D'Onofrio? She killed him. He touched one of her Reese's cups. Her parents, I heard a story when she was three. She did the same thing. Her parents never corrected it. So She's awaiting, she's awaiting trial in a Quebec municipal prison. The child should never be allowed to talk or act in a way toward their parent that shows any type of defiance. I got another. <laughs> Jess. Oh, I love you. <laughs> and then disrespect. I don't think I ever, oh no. I was going to say, I don't think I ever should disrespect, but she has a story. About <laughs> the I, my sister has one example. I'm in every one. But I never showed disrespect uh, when I was older, it was when I was four. And I remember this one clearly. They, have you ever seen this trait of disrespect in your child? It must be stopped at a very young age. Of course, your children will get angry at you a lot. At you, will, will get angry at you at times. They should never say "I hate you," even if they feel like saying it. 
Do not accept any disrespect or rude behavior towards yourself or others. This must be punished. When Jonathan was a young child, I think I was four. No, I was not seven. He slipped down the stairs in our home. I chuckled because it almost looked like a cartoon when he did it. I shouldn't have laughed. Are you calling your mom a liar? (laughs) No, she got the age wrong. I wasn't seven. If if she said you're seven, you were seven. That's not true. Yes, it is. I'm almost positive. I'm with your mom. You were seven. You weren't there. I was there. I don't care. This was a mistake. I shouldn't have laughed because it embarrassed him. He came over and hit me. (laughs) And the thing is, I calmly climbed the stairs where she was laughing and just belted her, like hauled off and slapped her. Yeah, I never said a word. She was like laughing. I like collected myself, got up off the ground at the bottom of the stairs. Oh, you think that's funny? (laughs) And that was not a good day for old Jonathan. Although I was wrong, his father still spanked him because his child should never hit their parent. I apologize for my, I apologize for my wrong, and Jonathan never hit me again because because he he couldn't even look up without trembling. I remember my dad, my my great grandma was visiting, uh, Louise Crawford, Grammy. Never met her. Oh yeah, she passed before. Yeah, mm-hmm. she did. So she was visiting. You know, that's my dad's grandma. And you want to, like, make them think you're good parents and stuff. And I slap my mom right in front of her. <laughs> so my, my dad, my dad goes, Jonathan, get up the steps right now. So I was going, like, slow. He went, the faster you go, the less swats you'll get. So I, like, raced up. But I don't know if that was true because I normally got seven. You know what? My dad did everything biblically because, like, seven's the number of perfection. So for the slap on the face, I got 14 dub, double perfection in numerology. And I'll tell you what else I remember. I always cried. You deserve 14. I always cried when I got mom, Let me tell you what. He hit me real methodically. It was like. <laughs> so that's six. So like. 14. I was crying through like six. Then it just started to feel like long. Nine, 10. And I didn't know I was going to get 14. So it was like I had counted to seven. I'm like, okay. I feel like Rambo when they were like had him strung up, just like going to town on him. But when the Russians, like, all right, guess I'm going to be here a while. Note to self. Deal deal with deal with anger at mom other ways. <laughs> Note to self, do not slap mom. <laughs> oh, have mercy, Jesus. I remember by the time he finished the paddling, I was more tired than like hurt. So like, man, this took a lot out of me. Is it cool if I just like catch a nap real quick? Join you for dinner. I'm I'm kind of spent. <laughs> oh goodness. <laughs> That is so funny. <clears throat> yeah, it wasn't that funny. <laughs> it was probably the least funny thing that's ever happened. I'll tell you. I'll tell you the um, the reputation that my dad had. One time, four of us at Christian school got in trouble. It was like major trouble. I can't remember what for. Whether it was a fight or what. So I think there were five of us. So the principal called all five of us into the office. His name's Don O'Hare. He's, he's still alive. He's a great guy. He was a great guy. 
the principal of my Christian school, he was awesome. So he called us all in and told us that they're calling all of our parents to tell us what happened, that this is, like, serious. So then when he gets done telling us, he's like, you all can go. Jonathan, stay back. So I was like, why am I in more trouble than everybody? Mm-hmm. So once the door shuts, it was just me and him. He goes, I'm not calling your parents. <laughs> so the principal's like, he, he's like, their, their parents are going to talk to them yeah. or, like, give them time out. He's like, I know what your dad's going to do. I'm giving you one more chance. Wow. Isn't that nice? Yeah. I'm going to send that guy something. Guys, look up Don O'Hare. He should live around here somewhere. And um, send him, like, some steaks from me. Tell him, thanks for getting me off death row. Put that on the thing. Because they, they were all going to get a talking to. And I was going to get... You know, I think I, I, I don't think I ever got spanked again after age 12, though. You know that? That's good. I think once we moved to Maine. You matured. I don't want to say I've even matured now, but I just, I just, <laughs> no, you know, what I, you know what I think part of it was? I think part of it was um, I wasn't in Christian school anymore. And our daughters, I'm not knocking Christian school, but public school was totally different because what made you seem like the most ill-behaved kid in your class in That's Christian true. school made you like That's you true. weren't even on the radar in mm-hmm. public school. That's true. It's, it's like Jonathan said an inappropriate joke, but like then you go to public school, it's like, yeah, but he didn't stab anybody. So they don't, uh, they don't like treat it as seriously. So maybe in telling these stories, if nothing else, it'll help parents that think their kid is like, and, and I want all the moms watching and some of the dads. If you think your kid's really bad, I will tell you, because it's like me. I wasn't doing anything that was bad. I never drank. I never smoked. I, 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 uh, I married a Dallas Pier as the driven snow. You know, don't confuse somebody being like a boy with being bad. Having a lot of energy That's is not true. bad. That's it can true. get you in trouble because yep. there's inappropriate times to have energy. But I think a lot of times parents get like nervous about how their kid's going to turn out. And really, there's not a problem with them. Right. They're all right. Yeah. You know, they should have a lot of energy. Or be funny. It's not yeah. wrong to be funny. I agree. You got you to gotta hone it in and use it more as a gift than a weapon. That's right. But, but it, it's not bad. So, I, you know, you think, you know, it's like me. You see everything that I'm doing right now and you like me. But let me tell you something. My mother, my mother was getting called into lots of meetings. If you've been listening to me preach for a number of years, you've heard me say this before. They changed the ages of children's church to accommodate me not being in children's church anymore. Children's church was first through sixth grade. When I got to fifth grade, they changed it to first through fourth. And then they changed it back to first through sixth when I uh, got to seventh grade. So if you're a parent who's getting called into meetings all the time and you're starting to beat yourself up that you're a bad parent and, and, and I must be doing something wrong, I'm not telling you to ignore problems if your child's having an actual problem. But I want to I let, let it worry you, especially if it's a son. Mm-hmm. And especially I would evaluate like the thing I told you before. Does the person who's getting your son in trouble have sons or not? Sure. Be- 
because I never would get in trouble if I had a teacher who had a son. Almost That's never. Yeah. And then if I had a teacher who was a woman who didn't have sons, they expect you to behave like little girls. Cr- even even Camila, even Camila, you would know the ones that were single or the ones that didn't have kids. Because she was, she's very rambunctious and, and um, you know, has a very outgoing personality. And it's like, if you don't have, and if you look back on even our high school careers, there was always that one 20 something year old teacher that, you know, had a fuse this big when it came to people talking or uh, whatever. And it was because they have no kids. They have no idea how to deal with it. Even fighting, like like as as a pastor, I talked to a, a mom and dad this week that the son got in, in trouble at school because he got in a fight with another boy of his same age. Mm-hmm. You know, what's the big deal? Right. It, it's not assault. He didn't go and attack the kid because they're they, and I know they're not lying because both kids got punished, mm-hmm. like and have an equal punishment. So it's not assault. Mm-hmm. You know, when I, when I was younger, if two boys got in a fight, it's settled. Right. As long as it's a fair fight, it was. It wasn't like an eighth grader going at a fourth grader sure, or, or whatever. Sure. To, you know, equal equal weight classes. So don't. I I feel like you can go the other way too, where you. It's it's funny how how in the ministry you end up dealing with people. It's like people are in like Brother Higgins used to say. They're in one one ditch or the other. Mm. They, they're not they're not in the middle. So you have these one parents that beat themselves up. Because their kid doesn't have straight A's and, and, and like every perfect thing. And then you have other parents that should beat themselves up, right. like the ones you see on Judge Judy, that don't beat themselves up. Nothing's their fault. Nothing <laughs> their, is their kid's fault. You know, everything's everybody else's fault. So if, if you're wired the other way where you beat yourself up, and remember, the Bible calls Satan the accuser of the brethren. Yeah. Jesus, Jesus is not an accuser. The Holy Ghost is an accuser. God doesn't deal with people like that. You're a terrible mother. You're a terrible father. You weren't home enough when your child was grow- growing up, and that's why they're the way they are. That's not God talking to that's you. That's right. That's the devil talking to you. God, God's not an accuser. Say God works with you. You know, mm-hmm. God, God's not, God, God doesn't try to dredge up things from the past and, and say, just so you know, that's why nothing in your works in your life's working out. It's come unto me, all you that are weary and heavy laden. Give me your problem, and regardless of whose fault it is, I'll show you the steps to, uh, to go forward. So I'm going to play. I'm going to, now remember, we're not, we're not just popping off about parenting. We're going to pray. Dallas and I are going to pray at the end like we did last night. We've got a whole bunch of prayer requests here for people believing for their children. And, I mean, just, just today, we're, we're, we're 90 minutes deep. And look how many requests we've already had come in from all over the place. Sons on drugs on the street. Don't, don't know where he is. Stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Where people need a miracle. I mean, you you taking notes on 20 ways to raise your children properly is not going to bring your son off the street. So that's where miracles come in. Yeah. You got a 31-year-old kid that's on heroin, and you don't even know what city he's in right now. You don't need a lecture on like how you could have parented better. So a lot of this is for people that are raising kids or getting ready to raise kids. But if you're in that other boat, don't beat yourself up. Let's pray together. Yeah, you might have missed it somewhere. Most people have. But God is a God of mercy. Do you know what mercy means? Mercy means when you have a right to nail someone's rear end to the wall, they actually did something wrong. I mean, God had the right to send every one of us to hell. No recourse. He's not unjust to do so. He, he gave away to come back. That's God's thing. God's a God of reconciliation, of turning your, your situation around. You know, that thing we teach on faith, not we, like everybody that teaches faith correctly, Hebrews eleven six. 6. 
Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For anyone that wants to come to him successfully must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. God's not looking to condemn you. He's looking to reward you. He wants to help you. He sent Jesus. If he withheld not his only son, how much more will he give us all these other things? God wants to see your, your children off the streets and delivered from drugs. And man, this last Sunday, maybe more than any other Sunday, we had major breakthroughs in families, multiple families, where one, part of the, one member of the family said, I'll never come to church, and was at the altar. Another person totally away from God at, at the altar. You saw that big guy uh, uh, crying his eyes out. I mean, I, you look at the picture. If you look at the, the recap of Sunday, I'm six foot one. He towers over me and his big, you know, he's no crier. Mm -hmm. Crying his eyes out at the altar as the Lord touched him. God, God's a God of miracles. God will get your children back. God will find a way. Yeah. Think of this. Let, 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 me, let, me, let me do this before we play the song, I Expect a Miracle. And then give you a chance to call in 412-787-2578, 412-787-2578. If you're international, throw a plus one on, plus one, 412 7872578 got great people waiting to, to pray with you. So think of this. We had we've had a few, but we had a barber get saved in the Pittsburgh area. Come to church, give his life to the Lord, get baptized. Now he has the preaching playing in the barber shop and he he asked me today. He didn't ask me. He was talking about how he's looking into getting a bus because they have so many people um, that he's invited coming to church. And I told him, no, you know, we'll get you the bus. He has a CDL license. Cool. And they've already packed out their SUV. So now all those barbers in the shop are, are coming to church. So think of this. Those barbers are somebody's son who were working at a barber shop, no intention of going to church, nobody in their life that was going to invite them, and that guy gets saved, and, and now they're bringing all of them. Mm -hmm. God can turn the whole thing around. God can put... Remember this too. This is important to know. Very rarely will your child's salvation come through you. People don't respect their own families. Jesus's family didn't respect him. They scoffed at him. His mother, or not his mother, his sisters and his brother. And Jesus could do no mighty miracles there in his hometown because of their unbelief. And he said a prophet is without honor in his hometown and among his own people. So, I, you know, when I hear people, I'm trying to tell my daughter she needs to quit drinking. I'm trying to tell my son he needs to quit doing drugs. I have heard zero testimonies that start with, you know, I was an alcoholic and then my mother lectured me over and over again about how I shouldn't drink. So I stopped. I mean, maybe it happens. But God can use a litany of other people. And then it's going to be half frustrating when they say, you know what? There's a guy I started working with at my barbershop, and he told me this, this, and this. And I thought, you're right. I'm going to go to church. And you think, I was telling you that for 20 years. <laughs> but they, they, they're deaf to you because you're family. Yeah. People, people don't like to listen to their family. So when we pray, let's pray that God sends laborers into the harvest field. That you're, you're, you're uh, you, know, you know, my barber today told me, he said, the guy that was here before you, I said, think of it this way. If the Bible's wrong and we follow it our whole lives, what did we lose? He said, it taught us to raise our family good. If there's no heaven and hell and we just die, we haven't lost anything. And then he said, but if, if it's right and we chose not to follow it, there, we go to hell. Right. And, and we ruin our lives. 
And I said, you know, that's actually a philosopher's reason for getting saved. Was it Pascal or whoever? Who, who was it? Uh, somebody will know. It. It's so-and-so's wager, it's called. And that's what he thought. He, he was from the Middle Ages or, or the Renaissance. He said, if the Bible's wrong and I follow it, I don't lose anything. But if it's, if it's correct and I don't follow it, I lose everything. So as a, from a gambling perspective, it makes more sense to follow it. And when that guy said that, it clicked. It clicked with, with that guy. He was cutting his hair. He said, I'm going to come to church with you. So God's already using that guy that all these people, that their parents might have raised him in church and are praying for him, and now God found a way into all their hearts. Why? What scripture did we start off with? Acts chapter 2. In the last days, that's the days we're in now. In the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. So the devil knows that's a scripture. He has his entire assault focused. My, yeah, Pascal's wager. My dad. My dad's on. Pascal's wager. I'll read it. If you gain, you gain all. If you lose, you lose nothing. Meaning one can gain eternal life if God exists. But if not, one will be no worse off in death than if one had not believed. Read the whole quote starting up a book. The wise decision is to wager that God exists. Since if you, can, if you gain, you gain all. If you lose, you lose nothing. Meaning one can gain eternal life if God exists. But if not, one will be no worse off in death than if one had not believed. Can you guys pull up the, the, the clips? Again, the ones I posted on my Instagram, the, the altar call and the people all lined up in the hall. This is Charlene on the app. God touched my 18-year-old twins at the Wisconsin meetings. They rededicated their lives to the Lord. Such an awesome weekend. She had two 18-year-old sons, and, and they, they, they drove there, and they both came to the altar. They were at the luncheon the next day. You know, um, the, the guy I mentioned at the beginning, Dr. Mike Murdoch, he has a great quote. He said, one day of God's favor will erase a thousand days of labor or frustration. Mm. So when you're in the middle of hoping for a breakthrough, and it seems like there's, there's no way out, when you're an Israelite in slavery for 430 years in Egypt, there's nothing even on the horizon of getting set free. In fact, they just got done passing harsher laws against you as an Israelite, that you can't have, have children, you have to bake more bricks for more hours, not only are you not getting set free, you're getting further in bondage. And one day, God drops it on, on Pharaoh and 430 years of frustration get flipped in a day. God doesn't need 10 years to bail out your 20-year mistake. He created the whole world in six days. How long do you think he'll need to sort your family out? Mm -hmm. Let me see Wisconsin. America! There's the sons coming up. Look how many men are there. Husbands, fathers, sons. Then we didn't have enough room in the place to pray for everybody. Had to line them down about three hallways in the theater. Yes, he did. God will turn it around. Tomorrow evening, Wednesday night, at uh, uh, the Hilton Fort Worth in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. It's free to attend, as are all our events, but you need to register. RevivalToday.com.
events. So if you haven't registered and you're in Texas, Louisiana, Oklahoma, Dallas and I would love to see you live tomorrow night. We're going to pray for everybody in the building. We're going to go to my favorite song that Pastor Tony and Pastor Clarita are going to sing. And I want you to call, you know, why do we have you call? Because it's important. The Bible says where two agree is touching any one thing. I'll give them whatever they ask. Nodding your head while I speak in your house is not praying. Praying is vocal communication with God. It does good to confess what you're believing to somebody on the other end of the phone. It's somebody that's anonymous. You don't have to give any information you don't want to give. But it would do, do you well to unburden yourself to somebody. And you're going to, maybe for some of you, be the only person you could tell that's not going to say, well, that's what you get, you know. Mm-hmm. You, were, you were working 18-hour days. You're driving long-haul truck. You weren't home six days a week. And so, no, you're not going to get condemnation here. That's you're going to get agreement in faith. And we're going to believe for a total, a total turnaround. Hallelujah. I meant to send this in to, to the team, but I'll just read it for you. If you follow me on Instagram, then you've already seen it. This was from today. Hi, Pastor Jonathan. Before the 21 days of fasting, my father was diagnosed with prostate cancer. So my mom and I decided to come in agreement for my dad's healing, even though he's not yet a believer. I laid hands on him and cursed that thing, just like I see you do. My dad went yesterday for his checkup, and not to my surprise, he's completely healed. There's no trace of that thing. Thank you so much for your teachings and decision to dedicate the first of the year to fast. There's a lot more testimonies to come. I love and appreciate you guys. Oh, you have it. Great job, media team. So there you go. There's another one. God can turn any, there is no closed case with God. God can turn any situation around. He doesn't need you to do it. He needs you to believe him. That's it. Our job is just to believe. His job's to do the work. I had another one, um, and it says, Hi, Dallas, you prayed with me at the first Women's Reign Conference for my son, and today my little boy came back to God. He went with these great men the other day, and today he answered the altar call and prayed with Jonathan. God is good, and I just wanted to share this miraculous blessing with you because he worked through you and me as mothers calling him home. Praise God. Thank you. That happened when when at the altar? Um, So it happened when the Veterans Brigade went out. Uh, oh, it's like an older son. Yes. So she she posted a picture here. It was uh, Jeff LaQuire and Chuck Ondo, and I don't I think that's him. Uh, but he was he was part of the revival today, but Veterans Brigade. They just called him in, and and then he rededicated his life right then and there. Isn't that awesome? So there there's a cancer. There's a grown son. That's mm-hmm. not a young son. That's mm-hmm. a grown son. There's no close. I mean. How many stories do you want to go through out of this thing? Mm-hmm. Red Sea parting, ground dried out, manna from heaven. Yeah. We serve a miracle working God. Mm. So uh, this teaching that we've done the last two days is to help people who are parenting, like us, that have a 10-year-old. But if you've got a 35-year-old that's away from God, it's not for, let's see, here, here's 15 mistakes you made that, that, that made things the way they are. No, God's, God's a God of mercy. Amen. Thank 412 you. 412-787-2578. Please call. We're going to, Adonis and I are going to pray for all these requests when we close. And as you call, enjoy the anointing on this song. I'll see you on the other side of the song. That's good. Nothing is impossible. 
I expect a miracle today. 
Thank you, Kim Walker-Smith from the great stage of Revival Today Church. Remember, we're at the Roxian Theater this Sunday, which was, <laughs> was an awesome venue. Mm -hmm. 10 a.m. this Sunday, 10 a.m. the Sunday after that. My father's going to be preaching on May 7th. My mom and dad are uh, both watching. My mom texted me. Dear son, keep your name out, my out your mouth. I don't know what that means. Then like a slap emoji. It's good. That's, that's hood talk. I know what it means. And she wrote, we lived in Bridgeville when you got that paddle. You were seven. We didn't move from Strimmel Brothers Apartments until you were six. So she's right. Uh, thank you. Uh, also. Thanks, Juby. Don O'Hare, that principal, is watching on Facebook Live. No way. They blew you kisses and told you that they were watching. So. Send us thank your, you, Mr. And Mrs. your uh, address so we can send you some steaks. For putting up with this guy. You know, that guy knew, that guy knew, like, that that one teacher, like, had her own problems. Mm -hmm. and, and he, like, discounted. When she would send me to the office, it was like, whatever. Answer. Yeah. But then, like, if I actually got in trouble, I got, I got, got in trouble, which was plenty of times. Um, still have time to call. 412-787-2578. We bring in the great Becky Pierce in the background with a little piano music. I want to challenge you to do what we had, had people do last night. Let me ask you a question, Dallas. Have you ever heard of, of how Bishop Rick Thomas in Florida, have you ever heard how he sows a seed for his family, for each member of his family? No. Have you ever heard of anyone doing that? Your dad. My dad does that? I thought your dad did. Were you saying that about? Maybe I confused it with Rick Thomas then. Maybe Rick Thomas. Maybe my dad does and I don't know it. But let, let me ask you... Um, if somebody brought up the concept of sowing a seed on behalf of your family, for God to bless your family, what scripture would you support that with? Is it First Kings or Second Kings, where the wife, or where that woman, no, with with a woman builds the uh, apartment for the prophet and then gets the baby. Second Kings, what? Four. That's the only scripture I would. So. Were you testing me? No. Or was I, there a different one? No, I was saying if you were going to pick another one. I used a different one last night, but then I was going to which use, one, use which this one. one I used 1 Kings 17 last night because when that woman sowed a seed to Elijah, it took care of the finances in the home. It, it opened the door for her son to be healed. And then at the end she said, now I know that you're a man of God and, God. and it took unbelief out of the house. How about David sowing his seed and then having the generations after him be blessed? He said, I'll do this because of your father. David. Was it David? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and he told Solomon, I'll, I'll, I'll do this because of your father. And it, was, it had nothing to do with Solomon. He's like, I'm doing this because I love your dad. That's a good point. Mm -hmm. And David did so quite a seed in First Chronicles 29. He emptied, emptied all of his private treasure. Second Kings chapter 4, I want to sh show you this concept of sowing a seed and putting your faith on that seed for God to do a miracle in your family. Check this out. 2 Kings 4, 8. One day, Elisha went to the town of Shunem. A wealthy woman lived there, and she urged him to come to her home for a meal. After that, whenever he passed that way, he would stop there for something to eat. She said to her husband, I'm sure this man who stops in from time to time is a holy man of God. Let's build a small room for him on the floor, on the roof, and furnish it with a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp. Then he'll have a place to stay whenever he comes by. One day Elisha returned to Shunem, and he went up to his upper room to rest. He said to his servant Gehazi, 
Tell the woman from Shunem I want to speak to her. When she appeared, Elisha said to Gehazi, Tell her we appreciate the kind concern you have shown us. What can we do for you? Can we put in a good word for you to the king or to the commander of the army? No, my family takes good care of me. Later, Elisha asked Gehazi, What can we do for her? Interesting, you know, that when this woman sowed a serious seed, an addition onto the house, if you read the Amplified, it was, a, it was an addition onto the house with its own private entrance. Tomorrow's service is on at what? It, no, it's not 9 p.m., it's 7 p.m. at the time of where we're going to be, which is Dallas, Texas. So she sows that seed, and look how Elisha is like possessed with a desire to bless that woman. And you can't bless out of your own flesh. So the Spirit of God was fixated on returning a, ble a supernatural blessing to this woman after, after she did something to help Elisha the prophet. He who receives a... Do you ever wonder what it means? He who, is, he who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. What is it? Oh, this is some guy that instead of working likes traveling around and telling people about God's word and praying for people. No. This man is a holy man of God. I believe this man is carrying God's word for my generation. I'm not just going to watch him do it. I'm going to do something to aid his ministry. Well, I should say, well, that's right. More people should do that. No. What can we do to bless this woman? Okay, as I said, she doesn't have a son and her husband's an old man. Call her back again, Elisha told him. When the woman returned, Elisha said to her as she stood in the doorway, Next year at this time, you will be holding a son in your arms. No, my Lord, she cried. Oh, man of God, don't deceive me and get my hopes up like that. But sure enough, the woman soon became pregnant. And at that time, the following year, she had a son just as Elisha had said. One day when the child was older, and then I'm not going to take the time, it's a, it's a lengthy chapter. She gets a son. Then the son dies. Elisha goes and raises him back from the dead. What else happened? That lady goes missing for a few chapters, then turned to 2 Kings chapter 8. 2 Kings chapter 8 verse 1. Elisha had told the woman whose son he had brought back to life, take your family and move to some other place. For the Lord has called for a famine on Israel that will last for seven years. So the woman did as the man of God instructed. She took her family and settled in the land of the Philistines for seven years. After the famine ended, she returned from the land of the Philistines and she went to see the king about getting back her house and land. As she came in, the king was talking with Gehazi, the servant of the man of God. The king had just said, tell me some stories about the great things Elisha has done. Check something out for me. Because it's interesting how the tribulation is going to be seven years. That famine was seven years. It seems like God won't allow more than seven years of like trouble on the earth at a time. Mm. See how long World War II was? 38. It was 38 to 45, wasn't it? World War II? Yep. I feel like Kevin Mercer would know, would know that off the top of his head. Was World War II 38 to 45? 1939 to 1945. Six 19 years. what? 1945. World 39 lasted. to 45. Six years. Six years. So just under seven years. Interesting. 
Anyway. She went to see the king about getting her house and land back. As she came in, the king was talking with Gehazi. Listen to this, the servant of the man of God. The king had just said, tell me some stories about the great things Elisha has done. And Gehazi was telling the king about the time Elisha had brought a boy back to life. At that very moment, the mother of the boy walked in to make her appeal to the king about her house and land. Look, my lord, the king Gehazi exclaimed, here is the woman now, and this is her son, the very one Elisha brought back to life. Is this true, the king asked her? And she told him that story. So he directed one of his officials to see that everything she had lost was restored to her, including the value of any crops that had been harvested in her absence. That lady sowed one seed, and it produced four things for her family and for her. Number one, it gave her what money couldn't buy. Now, you're not going to hear too many people tell you more than me about the financial return there is for giving finances. And I actually despise when people say, um, now, I mean, no, God doesn't just bless you with money. Because money will produce a money return, and it did in, in this story. But it, it'll actually produce more than money. With all the money in the world, if you can't have children and your husband's an old man, you're not having a son. Number, I want you to write these four blessings down. I'm going to believe for these four harvests to come for everyone that sows that's watching. Now, on the replay, podcast, however you're hearing me. Number one, her seed gave her what money couldn't buy. Number one, what money couldn't buy. Number two, when the son died, the, the power of God brought the son back to life again. Number two, write down, a stop to all losses. A stop to all losses. What money couldn't buy? A stop to all losses. If you're watching, what do I mean by a stop to all losses? Have you ever been watched, have you ever felt like your life is just one defeat after another. It's almost like you're just waiting for something to go wrong. You get that thing corrected, something goes wrong in another area. Think about it. That's what that woman's life was like. I've never been able to have a son. You have a son. Son dies. And that seed precipitated a change where now you don't read about that woman. Anything she normally would have lost, she never lost again. What money couldn't buy? A stop to all losses. Number three, Elisha told her that there was a famine coming and to make preparation so that the famine didn't touch her. Number three, when you get your money tied in with God's work, God will give you a heads up on things that are, I will show you things that are to come. You remember that story where Kenneth Hagin said, the Lord spoke to him during the Jimmy Carter administration and said, there's a famine coming to America get out of every endeavor I didn't call you to so Kenneth Hagin sat down and thought about every ministry that the church was a, that his ministry had become a part of that the Lord never called him to they had opened up a prayer and counseling center and he thought you know what we just did that because people needed counseling God never told us to do that hmm. so he called everybody in that day at work after the same day the Lord spoke to him and let them all know that they were relieved of their duties and they were shutting the prayer and counseling center down that day and then he never, he never felt the recession. 
That's what God said. There's a recession coming to America, but you won't feel it if you do what I tell you. Think of that. So that's what happened to that woman. Whether recession comes or doesn't come, you won't feel it. Because the man that ties his finances in with God, the woman who ties their finances in with God, God keeps them ahead of, uh, above the fray. That's right, Damas. You wrote number three, a heads up or protection. God protects his money. God protects it. It's his. When you entrust your money to God, your money is his money and God protects his investment. Number four, complete restoration. Give the woman back her house, her land, and the value of all crops harvested in her absence. Mm. Seven years of crop harvest. All she wanted back was her house and land. They said, you can have your house. And look how divinely orchestrated it was. She thinks she's going to have to go to the government office to fill out paperwork to, to start the process of getting her house back. Doesn't know if she'll get it back. And as she walks in, Gehazi is telling the king, oh, you know, uh, hey, tell me some stories about Elisha. People like miracle stories. Well, there was this lady that couldn't have a son, and then the son died. And uh, Elisha went and laid on the body, and the boy came back to life, and he handed, he handed him back to her mother. And at that moment, she, oh, that's the mom. You're the mother. What were you coming to see me about? I'd like my house and land back. Give her her house and land back. Send one of his officials and make sure, find out how much, how many crops were harvested from her land and what the value was and give her all that money for that. Number four, complete restoration. Can you, my daughter is going to be in Fort Worth. She's not saved yet. I got her to agree to come to listen to you tomorrow. I pray that she hears the gospel. That's awesome, Michael. Can we join our faith together tonight to sow a seed and believe for those four harvests? You know, that lady got her, not only got a child, she got her child back off of that seed. So don't tell me you can't sow a seed on behalf of your children. That woman got her child restored to her and her crops and land restored to her from that seed. A stop to losses. Seed sowing causes things to start spinning in the opposite direction. You're used to bleeding money, losing people. Everything in life is a loss. Connecting your heart with your finances, going into a financial covenant with God. I will rebuke the devourer for your sake anything that devours i'll rebuke it and god did that is your family being devoured is your child being devoured seed rebukes the devourer now there's more to it that's why we're teaching on the tips on parenting but a seed puts your faith in motion Let's sow a seed tonight as we get ready to clear the land on the church, as we get ready to go on television in Israel. The uh, 20 things that, are, that, that we're launching on the, out of this ministry right now. Let's come into covenant with God with our money. Michelle Poole says, I sowed a seed to your ministry for my son and you ran to the altar in your Locust Grove meeting. In Georgia. That's powerful. Mm -hmm. This gives you a chance, you know, true, true seed sowing, not donations, not just regular offering giving. True seed sowing 
is an, it actuates your faith. It's an action birthed out of faith when you do it right. And I, I want you to do that today. What are you believing God to do for you and your family? What money can't buy? You know, think of that. Even tied in with children. If you have $10 million in the bank and your child's on drugs, there's nothing you can buy to take a child off drugs. You can pay for the rehab. You can pay, And many of you watching have done that. You paid for all that. You paid for everything you can pay for. And they're still gone. But if you put if you put what you have in God's hand, it's another story. What would the Lord have you to give? I want you to get quiet with God in your spirit right now and ask Him what the seed would be to sow, believing for household salvation. Believing that when you stand with before the Lord on judgment day, there's not one person from your family that's missing. Nothing missing, nothing broken nothing lacking father i pray that you would speak to every person what you would have them to give i pray maybe even for the first time they would hear from your spirit what would be their best to lay on the altar in faith believing for a complete turnaround and i pray as they're obedient to that that they would see your miracle working power to bring them what money couldn't buy. To put a stop to all losses. To give them supernatural wisdom and to give them complete restoration. In Jesus' name. Anything they've lost through their own personal famine, that it would be restored to them. Amen. In Jesus' mighty name. I'm going to play uh, one more song. And before, while I do, I'm going to give you a chance to sow that. So you're going to have a few minutes, 412-787-2578. Of course, you also can go to RevivalToday.com and click Give Now. What, what would the Lord speak to you to give? What did he speak to the woman in 1 Kings 17? Give, I'm going to send you a man. Give him a, some of your, your oil and some of your meal. Bake him a, a cake. Not all your food. Bake him a cake first. What would be that for you? Giving triggers a turning of the tide. Let's watch the tide turn together. As you saw, I want you to say something to the Lord. Call that child's name out. Believe for them to come back. We're going to pray with you at the end. We've got people waiting to pray with you right now. Revivaltoday.com. Click give now. Here's all the other ways to give. Cash app. Dollar sign RT give. Venmo at RTGive, RevivalToday.com slash PayPal. You can text RT to 50155, hashtag donate on Facebook. You can give cryptocurrency by scanning that QR code. And if you want to mail a check, Revival Today PO Box 7, Prosperity, Pennsylvania, 15329. Then after you do that, don't forget to claim your offer at RevivalToday.com and you click Claim My Offer. That makes sure we have your name and address so that we can get you the two books we're sending to everyone who sows a seed. That's the one I wrote as a tribute to my father, Everything a Man Should Be. Eight things my father showed me that produced a blessed life. And then if you enjoyed me reading out of uh, this book, Raising Children with a Passion to Know and Serve Jesus Christ that has stories of my mom and dad uh, uh, alternating, giving me spankings, 
if you'd like to read stories like that. Actually, it's a great book, as you could read. My mom really poured her heart into this. She did a great job as a mother without question. So we're going to put those books in the hands of everybody that sows a seed of any size. Remember, um, we start on television in Israel May 12th. That's about 20000 a month. So if you want to bite off one month like six people already have, I want to take care of one month, and you want to sow at the $20,000 level or higher, and want to be a part of that. It, that's dear to a lot of people's hearts. I want to hear... The, I want to hear uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ being preached in the Holy Land. We're going on Holy Land. Solis in Westlake, Louisiana, $100 seat. Annette in New Brighton, Pennsylvania, $150 seat. Steve in Washington, Pennsylvania, $82 seat. Charlene in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, $150 seat. Rachel in Tucson, Arizona. Believing for healing for her dad. Isabel in Indio, California, backslidden daughter. Andrea in Waco, Texas, Salvation for Her Children, Cody and Gabriella, Margarita in California, Healing and Emotions for Children Due to the Death of Her Father, Amy in Greenberg, Pennsylvania, Healing for Son from the You Know What Side Effects, and Salvation for Her Children, Taylor and Amanda. Tori, my heart goes out to you. Tori in Dallas, Guidance for Parents at the Schools, Andy in Wisconsin, Needs Home to Accommodate a Family of Eight. I believe for that with you. Bobby in Michigan, healing and protection under the blood for her family, salvation and deliverance for their entire family. We love you in Michigan. Love you all over the world that are watching. Here's your chance to sow a seed on behalf of your family. They're going to have that scroll at the bottom as we go to the music. And then Dallas and I are going to join our faith with you and pray to close out this wonderful broadcast. Please go to the phones. They're open right now. Enjoy the music. And I Take
having trouble getting through and keep calling. You guys can keep everything up on the screen so people can go into it. Miss Becky, you can continue on the on the piano. I'm going to have my wife and I'm going to join my faith with her and we're going to pray. We took two hours and it's not lost on me what you're going through. We love you very much. All right, let's believe God. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you for this night. Thank you for a word. And I thank you, Father, for every person that's called and sowed seed on behalf of their children and their families. Father, we thank you for the turnaround to begin right now. In the mighty name of Jesus. All of the children that have gone away, Father, call them back in the mighty name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, we thank you for arresting them even now. Father, let them have dreams. Let them have encounters. Let them have, uh, let them meet people that are full of the Holy Ghost and would lead them and draw them to you in the mighty name of Jesus. I cut off every relationship, every person that would drag them to hell in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, thank you for exposing those people for who they are. Let there be an aha moment for those people, Father, to realize their life of sin and, and to come back home to you in Jesus' name. And Father, we thank you for the turnaround and breakthroughs in people's healths and minds, every form of depression, every bout of, 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 of anxiety. It comes to an end now in the mighty name of Jesus. And Father, we thank you for dominion and power. And we call all of those mental disorders, schizophrenia, uh, depression, bipolar disease, whatever it might be. I thank you, Father, that if it has a name, it has to bow to the name of Jesus. And so we call it done now in the mighty name of Jesus Christ for every person that needs a home, for every person that needs a job. Father, I thank you for that opportunity to come in quickly in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. A hundredfold return for every dollar that they sow and everything to it, Father, that money cannot buy. Peace of mind, peace of home, success, health, vitality, strength, and joy comes to their home in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We thank you for it, Father. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that's upon every man, woman, and child that would bring them into alignment with your calling, into alignment with your word. Thank you for your precious Holy Spirit that leads us and guides us into all truth in the mighty name of Jesus, and it helps them. It helps them in every aspect of their life. Father, thank you for sending a helper to us that would, would, would help us in every endeavor, every facet of life. All we need to do is ask and we'll get the, the, the answer. And so that's what we're doing tonight. We're asking for guidance. We're asking for deliverance. We're asking for a way where there was no way because we know you're really good at that. In Jesus' name. Maybe you're watching and you are the harvest and answer to somebody's prayer. You're in your 50s and you're away from the Lord. And your mother's heartbroken about it in her 70s. Maybe she's in heaven waiting on the, 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 the receipt of her prayers. That's good. The difference between you never seeing your mother again and seeing her again is coming into relationship with Jesus Christ. Why stay away from God? Mm -hmm. What point are you trying to prove to whom? 
come to Christ today. Come to Christ tonight. I want you to receive Jesus Christ by praying this prayer. God's a faith God. God's a speaking God. He takes you by your words. Will you be justified? By your words, will you be condemned? This is why we pray. Say this prayer out loud from your heart. Heavenly Father, I admit that I've sinned. I repent. I believe in my heart. You raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord and my Savior. Right now, I receive forgiveness. By the blood of Jesus, I am saved. I am forgiven. I am clean. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, welcome to the family of God. Please let me know that you did in the comments. Right, I did. And more importantly, oh, what a nice graphic. If you prayed that prayer, go to RevivalToday.com and click I Just Got Saved. Fill that out completely, and I'm going to send you a Bible and other materials to help you live the Christian life. We can help you get plugged into a good church in your area. And um, that makes my night. I'm so glad you prayed that. So let us know the testimony as it comes in, like that one we read earlier when, when they prayed, and now the husband, the father and husband went, no sign of prostate cancer. I love hearing that stuff. If you have not, followed me, follow me on Instagram and Twitter, at JD Shuttlesworth. Stay in touch. I run both accounts. And um, you can get in touch with me. Or that's your best shot at getting in touch with me. I'll put it that way. Adonis, thanks for coming on with me tonight. This is great. All right, so we will be in Dallas tomorrow night. Fort Worth, to be exact. The Hilton Fort Worth. I'll be there with my lovely wife. 815 Main Street, Fort Worth, Texas, 76102. I think I'm on live television on Daystar tomorrow afternoon. I don't know if it's being recorded or if it's live. I think it's live. Could be wrong. Um, so watch watch Daystar, and you may see me. And uh, what else? Friday. Yep. Friday. Oh, yeah. Mom's Bloom Night. Um, I know that you read this last night, and you didn't know anything about it, but we've been having um, a mom's group meet once a month, and I'm going to be speaking to that. Uh, Brooke, Brooke Strong. Joshua and Emily want to know if you got your cheese from Wisconsin. Was that you? Yes. Was that you? That was them. They just, heard you mention it and they had it all prepared just, in a little refrigerated let me just, thing. Let me take a minute. Just come up here. Come up to me. I want to say thank you. Thank you for that blessing. Every bit of that cheese is amazing. I still haven't cracked the one with that looks like a state, looks like Wisconsin. But it's got the um it's like dipped in the in the in the in the wax. You know what I mean? I haven't, I haven't touched that. All the other ones. What about the chocolate? Cheese? The chocolate. I haven't had it. How is it? Un- un- unbelievable. Were you, were you sketchy about trying it? No. Why not? Because I don't care. It's like I love cheese, and I just had a good feeling. You know, sometimes it, the spirit of the Lord, you know, just, just He leads me and guides me in all, all ways. So sometimes you get something, and you're like, Nah, hell no, I ain't, I ain't trying that. That looks like it's moving. They might have a cat up in that piece. There's roaches there. Not, not Emily and you know, Joshua. Hearing casual cursing over Becky Pierce's uh, synthesized piano playing is just. A Can very we just odd stop with the Becky Pierce for a second because it's just. Um, what did she ever do? It's not that she didn't do anything. She just puts me so relaxed that I like. I gotta. I gotta stay with it. But anyway, back to the bloom. Um, so we have a mother's group. 
And that mother's group, led by Miss Brookstrawn, uh, is it, they meet once a month, and I'm going to speak about. Hey, guess what? Discipline. Booyah. Oh, yeah? Yes. So I'm going to be talking about that. I want you to be a part of that. That's going to be um, at 630 here at 107 Patton Drive in Coriopolis, PA. And they've been doing a really stellar job. They bring their kids. There's just a good time of fellowship. So if you've got a young baby, you got a new mommy, and you want to kind of like have somebody to guide you and lead you in the way that you should go, this is a really good group of kids, and they've been uh, killing it. So that's what's happening on Friday. What else is happening on Friday, Jonathan? What else is happening on Friday? Well, RTBI has a banquet, so that you're going to be in that one. Senior brunch on Saturday at 11 a.m. Did you know that, Johnny? When's the RTBI banquet? Friday. What time? Uh, I think you have to come on at 8 to speak a word to the student body. Where are you meeting with the moms? Upstairs. They're going to be downstairs in the lobby. So I'll be there for the first little bit, and then I'm going to go up and um, share my heart out with these little ladies. And then on Sunday, uh, we're going to meet at uh, Roxanne Theater. So please uh, be there. Uh, and we're going to meet there April 30th and May 7th. So you don't want to miss out on that. It's at McKee's uh, Rock, Pennsylvania, ample parking, y'all. It was just a really good time. I think we all had a really fun time being out there. It felt like a concert. Like It felt like I was in some in the blues bar at, at uh, in, in Boston, oh, yeah. Massachusetts. Who was that guy you went to go see their way back Johnny in Lang. the day? Johnny, Johnny Lang. Johnny Lang. Yep. Which, by the way... Is he around? Let me tell you, Johnny Lang, if you are watching this, I am praying for you, sir. Okay? That's an attack of the devil. And well, you might happened? be Baptist. What happened? And you don't believe in the Holy Ghost. I don't know. But are chances you? are. I'm talking to Johnny Lang. It's maybe. Okay. Um, well, and so I'm praying for you, sir. I'm praying for you for total restoration and healing. In your throat, I command that attack to come off of your body in Jesus' name. And for you to tour again. Because I'd like to see you. Again, you can't you can't stop singing. That's demonic. I come against that in the mighty name of Jesus. His voice, his his like uh, vocal box or whatever. What is it called? Vocal cords. Whatever. It's like what's a larynx? Larynx. That's in your throat area. Uh, so anyway, doctors are like, hey, if you sing. Like it'll cause major, major problems down the road. So he's like not allowed to sing. That's demonic. It is. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, hell no. I'm not a. I'm what not problems could it cause worse than not being able to do the thing that you you're do? you're you're supposed to do exactly? I don't know. That's why I'm like, you know what? My heart goes out to you because that would suck. Not doing what God's called you to do. Hail to the no. Hail to the no. So your girl is praying for you, Johnny Lang. I can't wait to see you at the blues. What is that thing called? The blues. Theater? Is it the blue? No, it, it's called something else. It's in Boston. It's not the Blues Theater. It's something else. <sighs> but anyway, that's where I saw him. Okay, I don't know how we ended up here, but here we are. House of Blues? House of Blues! Timothy, you saxophone player, you. That's it. House of Blues in Boston. Brandon. We love you. Hope to see you in Dallas tomorrow night. Dallas, Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Uh, Fort Worth. I don't know why I keep saying Dallas. Fort Worth, 
uh, Wednesday night. Are we broadcasting? We're live streaming that one. Which we are. Means yeah, we'll be It's going to be at 7 o'clock Texas time, but 8 o'clock Eastern time. That's right. If people can't figure that out, I don't even want them watching. To be whatever, whatever. This is Jeremiah Yoakum, Family Bible, which you'll also be hearing. Between the pages of an old If you could cut my wife's mic and let's hear Jeremiah Yoakum do it. Hey, this is Jonathan Shuttlesworth. I want to thank you for listening to my podcast, or if you're listening to my wife's. Thank you on her behalf. If you want to be more than just a casual listener and stand with us as we take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, go to RevivalToday.com and click Give Now and be a part of the 1,000 monthly partners that we're believing for. I have a special gift that I'll send to you today, and I'll say thank you in advance. Until next time, thanks for listening. See you later.